Good morning, church. It is good to see you all in the house of God today. And we are beginning a new sermon series today called the Seven I Wills of Christ. It is a series that will go over the seven key promises of Jesus, the Son of God. And this material has been adapted from uh, material by D.L. Moody. He was a famous preacher, American preacher in the 1800s. So we kind of just looked in the past and said, we're going to copy that. It was really good. Uh, and Moody said this, when he, he prefaced it like this, while concerning these promises of Christ. He says, when a man says, I will, it may not mean very much. We very often say, I will, when we don't mean to fulfill what we say. But when we come to the I will of Christ, he means to fulfill it. Everything he promised to do, he is able and willing to accomplish I cannot find any scripture where Jesus says, I will do this, or I will do that, but that it will be done. Or in our Midwest speech, Jesus ain't a liar. I mean, that's, that's the gist of it, right? Jesus ain't a liar. He says he's going to do it. He's going to do it. For his testimony is just and true, and all the promises of God find their yes in Christ that is why it is through Jesus we utter our amen to God for his glory, 2 Corinthians 1.20. And the first promise we're going to be going over today, the first promise of this sermon series, is the I will of conversion. Jesus has promised to convert us, to save us. It's the promise of Jesus to receive sinners and never turn them away, forgiving anyone of all their sins and accepting them into his kingdom when they come to him in faith. And repentance. Our scripture reading today is, going, is from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, 35 through 40. But really, we're just zooming in on verse 37, because that's where the promise is at. Verse 37 is going to be our key verse. So if you can and are willing, please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel of Jesus Christ. John chapter 6. Beginning in verse 35, the word of the Lord says this, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. That's the promise. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Lonnie Blackburn, would you pray for us to receive the word of God this morning? Amen. You may be seated. As I went over the sermon promise today, the promise of Jesus to convert us, to receive us, to never turn us away, I found something that 
uh, you think would be apparent, but sometimes we just got to say the simple things, the simple truths out loud. Uh, Church, not one person who ever comes to Jesus in honesty and humility is ever rebuked or turned away by him in any of the gospel accounts. And the life of Jesus Christ, the four gospel stories, whenever Jesus is dealing with people, if someone comes to him in honesty, humility, lowliness, open hands to him, that type of thing, he never turns them away, ever. The only people that ever get turned away by Jesus are those who come to him with a pretense, with their own agenda, rather than laying their lives down at his feet. Those are the ones that get turned away. Normally, it's the Pharisees, the self-righteous ones. But the humble ones who do, do come to Christ, they will find life and salvation through his atoning death, burial, and resurrection, what we call the gospel, which literally means the good news. For on the cross, Jesus took our sin upon himself, canceling our debt. And in his death and resurrection, he defeated the devil and his evil power over us, as well as securing our destinies, life, and immortality. Or to put it another way, those who come to Jesus, who trust in his gospel, are cleansed from their sins and live forever with him. That's the basis of the good news. That's the promise of conversion. Those who come to Jesus are cleansed, and they live forever with him. This is the promise of conversion. And so given this beautiful promise of Jesus to never turn away those who come to him seeking in honesty and humility, and then those who do will receive life and salvation, given this twofold promise, uh, why is it so hard for church people to admit that they are lost and need Jesus? Now, in my opinion, it's easy to understand why it's easy, hard for those outside of the church to respond to the call of Christ. And what I mean is this. Think of like a, if you've ever done any urban ministry or at the rescue mission, you see people at like the bottom of the barrel, right? You see people at the dregs of society, the, the stereotypical outcasts, right? The drug users, the, the prostitutes, the people that are the lowliest of the low. And if you've ever done ministry like that, as a stereotype as it sounds, oftentimes when you're ministering to them and you're encouraging them, you're presenting the gospel to them, I've heard many times people in those situations will say, uh, I can't, God won't accept me, I'm too bad, I've done too many bad things, I'm too unclean. Like that, that mentality is there. And I think I can understand that, right? The, the weight of the, the guilt and the shame and the pressure is on them, like God can't forgive me. Like I, I can understand that. It's a lie, but I can understand that. They fear that God will not love them, that God can't forgive. And they remain in their unbelief. Sin, shame, and guilt prevent people sometimes from embracing the Lord Jesus. And it's the same lie man has been believing since the garden. For ever since Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and it says their eyes were open, mankind has been trying to cover his own sin with and shame with futile fig leaves, and they hide from their creator rather than coming to him for healing. Because what did they do in the garden? They recognized they were naked, made their own coverings, and they hid from their good creator. They hid rather than running to him. That's the natural state we're all, we all have now. 
Likewise, I reckon it's the same mix of guilt, shame, and pride that maybe prevents the regular Sunday church attender from receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. It just manifests in a different way. But at the root, I think it's the same. Maybe you grew up in church, but something in you is preventing you from responding to the gentle offer of Jesus Christ to come to him. We just read the promise. He says, all who come to me, I'll never cast out. Why do we not come to be accepted by him, to be forgiven by him, to be converted? What's preventing us? Maybe you hear, maybe those deceptive thoughts may be in your head this morning. Maybe you think, well, what will people think of me if I go down to the altar? They may think I'm already Christian. Or I can't get baptized. People will know I've been faking it, even after I've been an elder, deacon, or Sunday school teacher for years. Or maybe this one, I'll lose my ministry or position in the church if I confess I'm a sinner and I'm lost. And guys, I've heard them all. And I don't doubt if you did enough stories around the church, we've met people who were in the body for a long time that say the right things, serve, do the right looking things, but inwardly they are dead and dry. It's the same sad mix of pride and shame, usually, that keep people even in the church. And the church is the very hospital of Jesus Christ. They're hearing the message of healing and hope constantly. And yet the same shame and guilt can stop people from responding to the gospel. And while we would normally think this problem of not coming to Jesus even though he says, come to me, I'll never turn you away. Normally we think that's just for those who are actually lost. This is also a problem for those who have been converted, who have been baptized into Christ, who are genuinely born again. Many people, because many people in the church live a duplicitous or double life. Because somewhere deep down, there may be some sin in their hearts they haven't really brought to the Lord Jesus Christ yet. There's something in them that's preventing them from really living the victorious Christian life. And usually old sin habits, they just come right back upon us. We'll have a season of short victory, but the same thing is still there for years. And then what happens is that sin rises back up, it gets out of control, and then we get ensnared in our former lusts and our passions. And we get bound again. And the Bible warns us about these things. And for that Christian, Christian, the same shame and guilt, and maybe even that pride come right back on them because they know better. For example, dramatic one, but think about this, pornography. Barner Research, I think two years ago, their recent survey, they said specifically of males, I think it was in the, from 18 to 40 or so, I don't remember exactly the fact check, but it's a huge number, 78% of Male church attendants watch pornography several times a week. So statistically speaking, not saying it's true, but statistically speaking, that means somebody in this church watched pornography last night. Maybe that's true. But that Christian knows better. The Christian, and again, it's, it's more than just pornography. It can be anything, any sin habit that has come back in your life. And you know what you're doing is wrong. You know it's sinful. And then staying in those sin habits becomes hard to pray. It becomes hard to be honest with God. 
because somewhere deep down, you love what you're doing and you hate yourself for it. That same sin, shame, guilt just takes over. And I've seen that a lot too. And then in turn, they don't come to Christ for their healing. They don't come to Christ for the power or freedom they have. And remember, this is for the person that has been born again. They have the full access to heaven's power to live the victorious Christian life, but something is stopping them from repenting and finding their hope and healing in Jesus Christ. They're like children who have stolen from their good father, and they don't want to face him, even though every night they're sitting across from the communion table, the dinner table, breaking bread with their good, good father, and he's just smiling at them, asking them about their day, and the guilt and the shame just heaps up. It's a painful experience to be that type of Christian. It's a vicious trap to be caught in our old sins. And nobody, and I say this liberally, Many, when they're stuck like this, after they've been a Christian for a while, don't want people to really know they're struggling with some of the worst sins. Worst. So what are we to do? How do we overcome such powerful forces of guilt, shame, pride, and its ultimate deception, and the lies they tell you, the lies they tell you that keep you from coming and accepting the offer of Jesus? Because what is his promise for us? Come to me and I will never turn you away. The promise is so plain, but man, guilt, shame, all these things, do a, they're deceptive. They keep us from coming to our Savior, stop us from getting the healing for our souls. But as simple as it sounds, the answer to our stuckness is simply embracing the promises of Christ over again. Because you and I can't win this battle with guilt and shame and deception on our own. We can't, nobody can. The battle is God's word versus the lies you believe. It's always like that. It's the word of God. It's true no matter what. And what happens is, are we either going to believe the lies or believe the Lord? And the book of Romans, Paul describes it, renew your mind. You're either going to believe and act upon lies or you're going to believe and act upon the truth. And so the only cure to these things that stop us from coming to Jesus is to present the solution again and again and again and keep encouraging. The truth is the truth. God is not a liar. Listen to the Son. Listen to the Word. Let the beautiful voice and the call of the Son of God drown out those lies. The truthfulness of God's words will drown out the lies of the evil one. That's the hope that we have. And the truth simply is this, church. Jesus Christ promises to receive those who come to him and he will never turn them away. No matter how messed up you are, maybe how much of a hypocrite you are, maybe how blasphemous you are, perverse you are, whatever, fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. Whatever condition you are at right now, the gospel call is still the same. Jesus said, come to me and I will never turn you away. That's the promise. Our Savior receives sinners. And this is what enraged the religious leaders of Jesus' day. You guys know the gospel stories. Remember the Pharisees. It says that while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. 
And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, think of the heart of this question. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like, think of the heart of that question. Why would he bother wasting his time with the dregs of society, with the obvious bad ones? Why would he waste his time with those people? Doesn't he know better? God doesn't love them. Why should he? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. The very heart of God here. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That is our Jesus. Friends, Jesus is the good doctor. He's the physician of our souls. You know, the million metaphors and analogies we could list, but our healing, our wholeness, everything we need is found in this Jesus, the God-man. And so I want to address this reality to our two groups today, how this promise of coming to Jesus never being turned away, how he calls us to conversion, he calls us to life, this still applies to our two groups, to sinners and to saints to those who have never tasted salvation and to those who have claimed the cross as their own. And the promise is still for all of us because we never graduate from the gospel. The gospel is always the thing in the Christian life. The main thing is the main thing. So first for the sinner, for those who don't know Jesus, what is our Jesus saying to you today? It's simply this. Come. Come to me. Don't be afraid of this Jesus. Don't be afraid of this God-man. Hear how gentle he is. Think of his great, this is, remember, Jesus is God in the fullness. The very heart of God is come to me. I will not turn you away. That is so tremendous. What other world religion says, no world religion says that. They always say, try really hard to be good. And then maybe God will love you. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to call you to myself. He stepped out of heaven. Hear his words of comfort and calling to you. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. The very promise from Jesus. Come. Come and find rest. Come and find rest. Because the turmoil you've been facing all your life hasn't been working for you. You know, there's that old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We all be broke. And we all need fixing. And the things you've been doing ain't been working. How many times will you try to solve your own life problems separate from your creator before you realize you are not capable of fixing yourself in your own life? I'm not saying you can't make a bunch of money and be comfortable. Tons of lost people do that. But even the richest person knows somewhere deep inside something's missing. Something isn't what it should be. You do not have the power to heal your soul. Only Christ can. And hear, how he, hear the description of how Christ heals the brokenhearted. This is for everybody. But specifically, if you have not embraced the Lord Jesus, this is his promise to you of what he will do for you in your heart. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And here they are, what Jesus does for us. 
He'll forgive all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. That's another word for essentially hell or the afterlife. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy and who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This idea that Christ brings true health and happiness to your soul that apart from him, apart from your creator, does not exist. So stop covering yourself like Adam and Eve. Stop making your own solutions to your sin, guilt, and shame. Stop trying to solve your sin problems on your own. You cannot cover yourself enough. It won't work. Because covering our sin and shame and trying to fix ourselves is futile. You can be good for a while, but you ever tried to, in the futility of lostness, you ever tried telling the truth a lot for a few days, and then after trying to tell the truth a lot for a few days, you realize, oh man, I still do all this stuff over here. So I'll try working on this part of my life over here and try to be a better person, but then I realize I still lie over here and it feels like I never really get better or different. It's because you can't. Apart from Jesus Christ, people don't really change. There's no health outside of a relationship with Jesus. But covering yourself, trying to fix yourself is only the first part of the problem. The second thing Adam and Eve did was to hide. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? Friends, hiding from God is futile. Just as trying to fix in yourself and covering yourself and solving your own problems is futile, hiding from the living God is also very futile. For scripture says that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who must give account. Guys, Jesus knows everything about you already. He made you. He knows you. And in spite of all the things you and I do and all the sins we do and all that stuff, Jesus loves you. Emphatically, there's no more way. You could scream it from the top of the mountains. Jesus loves you. And he's saying, come to me. I will never turn you away. Think of how even in our human relationships, we say stuff like that. We'll say, oh, in marriage, like I love people unconditionally. But if you've ever been left or abandoned or maybe your parents didn't love you or, you know, we've all felt the pain of abandonment, Jesus never does that to us. And he really does say, and when we church people say it, we really mean it. Jesus says, come as you are. Come as you are. And you will find health and healing in him. That's a part of the gospel promise of conversion. Come to Jesus and you will find life. And if that's you today, if I'm talking to you and you're like, this is speaking to me, what do I do, Adam? You hear me, Jesus is calling me to come to him. What, is, what do I actually do? The gospel proclamation gives us instructions. The apostles, this is what they preached. Here's what to do if you're feeling pricked in the heart of what I'm talking about today. He says, repent, turn from your evil deeds and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and for your children and for, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. 
And with many other words, the apostles bore witness and continued to exhort the crowd, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. The message of the Christian church is still the same. Come to this Jesus and respond to him, because he's calling to you now, and he promises he will not turn you away. No matter how broken you think you are, no one is beyond the saving love of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, that could be one of us in this room. And it's not true. He wants you to come to him. Will you come to him today? Second group for the saints, for those who have embraced the Lord Jesus Christ, who know the cross, who claim it as their own. If you're stuck in your sins and you feel the same shame and guilt we're talking about today, the solution is the same for you. Come to Christ. Come to him. You know him. You have a relationship with him. Stop covering yourself. You're doing what you used to do before you knew Jesus. Stop that. Stop trying to fix yourself, Christian. You already know you can't. Why are you doing that? Why are you trying to just be better and try harder? You knew that's how you used to live before you knew Jesus. So why are you trying to be better? And again, I don't want someone to misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying we don't put effort into our walk with God. What I mean is like the sinfulness of our heart can't change separate from a relationship with Jesus, from the power of the Holy Spirit. And think about this. There's no great sin in your life, Christian, that should stop you from coming to Jesus. The same gospel call of come to me, I'll receive you is still true for you after you get saved. The devil, though, does a great job of lying to you saying, There's so much sin in your life, maybe Jesus doesn't really love you anymore. There are many Christians who live these secret lives and they're so hurting because they want to have this life of acceptance before Jesus and they think he doesn't love them anymore because maybe they've backslidden. That's not true. Jesus still loves you. And scripture says you've already been forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember who you were and how Jesus saved you. Whenever Paul the Apostle and these guys, they talk about salvation, they almost always begin with, remember who you were, but who are you now in Jesus Christ? What is salvation for you today? Here's an example. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, and slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, not because of things I've done, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being declared righteous by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That might be a mouthful, but do you hear that? He says, you once were this, but you believed the cross, and now you're over on this side. The things that he just said are still true about you, even if you're stuck in your sin, Christian. Here again, another reminder, he says, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, Christ has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. 
Think of that statement. He says, because of this Jesus, God sees you as holy. And so the lie of the devil is saying, no, that's not true. God only sees your sin, Christian. Your sins will separate you from God now, Christian. Scripture says the opposite. Jesus bore them on the cross and left them in the grave. But the conundrum is we can still sin, right? And we can sin terribly. But then the devil just heaps up those lies saying, see, no way does God love you anymore. Just walk away. And I've seen that too. People get so heaped under the guilt and shame of the sins that they're in, usually sexual sins, that they no longer want to pray anymore. They feel out of control and they just quit church. They quit going. But when you talk with them individually about the gospel and Jesus, and if they're really honest with tears, they'll be like, I know all this stuff is true and I've asked him into my heart and yet I feel like I can't, I need help. And I'm like, well, then why didn't you come to us beforehand? Why didn't you say something beforehand? And it was because I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to know. I didn't want people to really see me. Think of how tragic that is when we're the redeemed, right? We're God's people. And collectively, we are Christ to the world. We're his body, his very presence on the earth. And if people feel ashamed to tell other people, I'm stuck in my sins, I need help, then something be wrong. But it's hard because the devil, think of his name, the accuser of the brethren. He does a really good job of trying to alienate people from God and the church. So stop hiding, Christian. God put you in the church. He put you in this body of believers. And when one of us hurts, all of us hurts. And it's our job as the hospital of Christ to minister to one another. Are there people in your Christian life that you can talk to about your sin struggles, real struggles in your life? Are you comfortable coming to your pastor and saying, listen, I'm stuck on pornography. I don't know what to do. I don't want to get a divorce. Or maybe I have a drinking problem. Or maybe you're a gossip or fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. Are you comfortable or is sin and shame and guilt and pride keeping you from coming to Christ and getting the healing for this sin in your life, Christian? All of us need to answer this on our own. But we should strive to create an environment where people can honestly confess their great needs. And I believe that God is, does that here. You never have to be embarrassed or let sin and guilt and shame stop you from seeking the help you need from your Christian brethren. You will not be turned away, friend. Don't be embarrassed if you need to come to the altar or meet on the side or whatever. There's no elder in this church I know of that would turn you away if you came and said, I need help. Not one. Do you believe that? Do you believe the call of Christ when he says, come to me, I will not cast you away? Do you believe that? Or do you still believe the lies? And church, as we come to a close, if there's anything I'm saying here this morning that makes any sense, it's simply this. Jesus promises to save us. And a part of that is coming to him. And he says, and if you come, you're going to find salvation and I won't turn you away. But sin, shame, guilt, pride, some weird demonic mix of all these things 
keeps us in unbelief, but the same promises to the lost and to the saved. Come to Christ. Don't be embarrassed. You will be received. And when you do, heaven rejoices and the church gets better. We do the Great Commission better when the church is walking in health and in holiness. So is there sin in your life you need to repent of? And not just in the cliche way like, oh, I'll pray about it. Is there real things you need to deal with? Whether it's at the altar or in private or whatever. Come. Jesus promises you he will receive you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we claim this promise as true and let the devil be a liar. You receive sinful people, which is all of us. There's no sin in our life too great that prevents us from coming to you, only our own sin, guilt, and shame. I pray for anybody here who's stuck. If they know the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're stuck, I pray, Lord, you would give them special grace to respond to this gospel call, Lord, whether it's today or tomorrow or whatever. I pray that you would send the holy hound of heaven, the Holy Spirit on them, and don't let them walk away from the healing in Christ because you promise that you are going to conform us all to your image over the course of our days. And you are faithful to chip away at this old block to make us more beautiful. Help us trust your mercy, Lord Jesus. Help us not listen to the lies of the devil. Help us not listen to our fears. Help us not be ashamed, but help us, as the song said, come ye sinners, poor and needy. Because if we never, we're only gonna not come to you because we don't think we need you, but help us not not come to you because of any other reason. Save us today, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray.